The episode today deals with some potentially triggering topics of conversation, specifically death and disordered eating. If you or a loved one has an eating disorder and would like to speak to someone for some help, the National Eating Disorder Association helpline is 1-800-931-2237. Hi, I'm Caroline Amos. And I'm Raymond McAnally. And we are... Fatigued. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. So... We wanted to describe this week that we've got two episodes coming out this week, Tuesday and Thursday, and we're calling this a bit of a college week. The reason being both of our sets of conversations, I like to think of them more as conversations and interviews. Yeah, that's a way better way to put that. Yeah. So both sets, the reason we coupled them together is because they do have to do with um, college. One is a college student. That's today's episode. And the other one is a friend of Caroline's. Yeah. And he, yeah, give us his backstory. Yeah. It's actually, it's um, a friend of mine and his boyfriend, and uh, they are sort of covering the administrative uh, resident life aspect of it as they are in charge of student housing and quarantine housing in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, their perspective, along with this uh, student today, I think are going to be really helpful for what we have now decided to call College Week. So this is for families who are considering next semester, college students returning, people who aren't involved in college atmosphere anymore at all, but are curious what's going on there. Hopefully these interviews will help shed some light. We're live. We're not live. Why do I always say we're live? We're not live. This is pre-recorded. Anyway, we're recording currently. Josie, hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. Good. Good. You know, it's one of those days. Uh, For our audience, we're recording this on December 9th. And I've noticed people I've talked to that it, it is these days right now are just okay days. You They're know? just okay. The bar, and that might just be where the bar needs In to be. In the words of Smash Mouth, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> oh, I hate myself so much right now. Oh, we're so relevant. We're so in the I moment. I loved the movie now. Shrek. Sue Hey now, you're an all-star. <laughs> Get your game Go on. Play. Go play. <laughs> oh, so, audience, we have with us Josie, who is a student of mine, actually, at Rutgers University. She is a senior. Um, what's your major? Public health. Public health. Great wow. time to be doing Very that. Well, that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I asked her to come on the show today and share some different parts of her experience with COVID because it, it's been quite extensive, it sounds like. And she had shared an assignment telling our class that she had COVID in November, around the same time I did. We, we seem to have had it at the same time. Just to let everybody know, the class is online. So this is also the first time she and I have been interacting like this. It's been mostly uh, video submissions and those sorts of things. So it's good to actually be talking to you somewhat live and some kind of in person. I don't know, 2020 in person. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> yes, it's fine. It's finally nice to meet you. I loved your class. You're an amazing teacher. Would take the class again. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> you don't have to. You have a good grade in it. Tell us a little bit about what your timeline. You contracted COVID November? Yeah, yeah. I tested positive for the first time on 11-11. Unlucky, but oh. regardless. Oh. oh, man. Yeah. My first symptom was really innocuous and just so mundane. It was just like a very mild headache. I wouldn't I wouldn't mm-hmm. notice it honestly if covid weren't a giant phenomenon right now. Never would have noticed that. Would have just continued to go to work. So, it's just crazy how fast it happens once you test positive. You're just like, "Oh my goodness." Like you you hear it going around, going on around you, but when you test positive, it's different. Yeah. You know. Sure. Absolutely. And so you're a you're a full-time student and you work as well. Yes. Right now, because you're the first student that we've talked to who's been 
uh, on a campus. I know our class is online, um, so I'm not even experiencing as a professor what it's like to be on a campus. How much of your studies, how many of your classes are still meeting in person? None of them, but I I um, did in preparation for this semester, deliberately schedule all of my classes to be remote. Basically, the classes that are designed to be taught online, that's what they were designed for. But the classes that were designed to be taught in person, there's a bit of a lag with those classes, bringing them online from in person. So I would have just preferred to take the online class in the format that it was intended to be taught in, you know? Yeah. Right. Really smart. As a senior, did that limit um, your options for oh yeah for what you were hoping your your senior year would look like. It did limit my options, but I still did get your class in, and your class was kind of like my fun class. So listen up, Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean COVID didn't really limit my class schedule, but it's definitely affected the content of my classes. Of course, these classes yeah. were not just constantly talking about COVID before the past couple of semesters, they were mm-hmm. not talking about that all semester. And now we kind of are. So it's definitely affected my senior year in that way. And I almost like don't know what is my degree going to be worth. They're about to rewrite all of the textbooks because of this, you know, so. I never oh, wow. would have considered that angle. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. You started to have very mild symptoms and then it moved fairly quickly. Yeah. Into ex- escalation, I guess. Yeah. So I definitely tested positive before I was symptomatic, really. I mean, I'm assuming the headache that I had was because of COVID, but, you know, I mean, people get headaches. It's it's a thing. Yeah. But I didn't have a tenth of the symptoms that I would eventually develop when I actually tested positive, but I would say it took a good two days and I was, I was out of commission wow. after I tested positive. Wow. That's so yeah. fast. Yeah. Could you give us like a timeline of your symptoms and how they felt? So basically the headache was kind of like one of the first things that I had. And then I did have some muscle aches, but I had started working out for the first time in four months. You know how that goes and how your body feels. So wouldn't notice that. Congrats though. (laughs) Thanks. It was one time that I worked out and then I got COVID and didn't work out again. So, oh man, but that's, well, that there's the message working out gives you COVID. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, to clarify, you did not get COVID at the gym or anything no. like that. Right? So yeah, it started out with just kind of the the muscle aches and the headache. And my throat was a little hoarse, but I, I sit and talk on the phone all day. My, my voice gets hoarse, you know. I mean, it's winter. It's dry. Yeah. Wouldn't notice that either. But then two days later, I was just, I had the shortness of breath. I couldn't walk from one end of my apartment to the other. My apartment's very small. I can't afford a big apartment. So I couldn't walk to the other end of it without being out of breath. I also experienced uh, an intense feeling of heartburn. You know, acid wouldn't come up in the back of my throat. It was just kind of like this burning in your chest. Like it almost felt like the bone in the middle of my chest was burning. It was bizarre. Oh my God. Oh wow. Yeah. My cough didn't come until very late. Very late, honestly. Pardon the question. I know it's a gross one, but was it a wet cough or a dry cough? No, it was totally dry. Oh. And so had had you experienced any symptoms like this? Because you seem to have an idea of like acid reflux. Had you had that before and knew that this was different from that? Yes. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. experienced acid reflux in the past and it was, it was, it was similar, but definitely distinct. So how long would you say that you experienced the maximum amount of symptoms, the the most intense part of it? The most intense part of it? I, I want to say it went on for a little over a week. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I hear people not understand. Either they haven't encountered or known someone who's had it, but that these symptoms, even if if you are lucky and they are mild, like for example, mine were much milder than yours and Caroline's. Um, that it goes on for such a long time, a disconcerting amount of time, mm-hmm. uh, and a time period that you're not hearing. Was Did a doctor ever tell you, for example, what your timeline might be and were they accurate or did you get any of that kind of advice? Not particularly because I was personal friends with the people that I was, the providers that I was originally seeing. 
um, oh, okay. for my first couple of tests. So they kind of took my so word at face value. Got it. Um, if you would fill the audience in on that, because that was part of your unique perspective, just as an individual who's gone through this, you, you had kind of an in when, mm-hmm. when you did need to get tested, you had kind of an in. Yeah. So I used to work at an urgent care center and when things started happening in March, I, I got laid off, but they called me back pretty quickly in May to help them because someone had left and I was pretty much part of a skeleton crew that helped them do all of, like, we weren't really doing anything over the summer other than COVID. Like, we were pretty much doing PCR tests and, you know, the people who had ear infections or sinus infections, they would pretty much just do a telemedicine call and not come in. But the people who were coming in or driving up, whatever they were doing, were all PCR tests. What is a PCR test? So a PCR test takes a little sample and takes DNA and runs it through a process that multiplies that DNA so that you can actually get a good look at what the sample is of. So yeah, PCR stands for polymerase chain reaction, which not to bore anyone with uh, the microbiological terms, but it's pretty much just taking a little tiny thing and making the sample so that they can identify what it actually is. That is not boring at all. I think that's very cool. (laughs) So we were only doing that. We didn't have the rapid tests over the summer. We didn't offer that. Um, And it was definitely an intense experience. Like my heart goes out to all of the people who continue to work in healthcare, who are currently working in healthcare, because I think that the trauma just from the short period of time that I was doing it, it, I had to leave. I had to, I was like, I'm not going to be able to graduate college if I continue to work in this environment because I was coming home and crying every day. I would wake up and cry on the way to work. Like, it was just, it was a lot, but, um, I was constantly exposed and I definitely feel like that served kind of a protective role for me to be constantly exposed to it because the only people who really caught it were people who were new to the job. When you're, when you're constantly exposed to it every day, you can't like in your head think about COVID as dangerous as it actually is. Otherwise, you won't have the guts to walk into work. I could imagine. What were those PPE protocols there? Because it sounds like you were able while you were working there to stay safe and not get it. To be completely honest, the providers and the medical assistants, they were masked up, they were gowned up, they had their face shields. But I personally only had those medical you know, the paper masks. And that was the only protection that I had. But it is what it is. The people who are actually going in and shoving the swabs up people's noses, like they need Mm -hmm. that stuff. And it was very difficult to source. That wasn't your job? No, I did not. I did not put swabs in people's noses. No. You kind of spoke for a second to something else that we've all heard in the news, but it doesn't get humanized enough. It is incredibly difficult even for Uh, medical facilities to get the PPE, Mm -hmm. to get the masks and things they need. Yeah. Did you, did you see or witness any, um, any reuse of masks out of necessity and stuff like that, that we've heard in the news? My manager was pretty ruthless about sourcing whatever she could from wherever she could. So that wasn't really an issue for us. I will, I will commend management for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good job. Yeah. So you had already left that job by the time um, to, to, for sanity reasons and everything you just described. Um, and that was months before you actually were infected, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's okay. actually interesting because my onset of symptoms was almost exactly 90 days after I had left the job. And it's interesting that that figure comes up because they are saying that the antibodies last for 90 days. So I just I just thought that that was kind of a weird coincidence that I caught it exactly 90 days after I left the job. Hmm. Wait, you said that they only antibodies only last 90 days after. Well, they can last longer. They don't know exactly how long they last. I just got an antibody test on Monday and I got my results today. And it's been six months since I was infected and I still have them. Really? Yeah. See, now that's amazing. 
that's 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 great. I was pretty minimum ninety days. I was pretty pumped to hear it, but it's yeah. it's good to know that that's a figure. That was something that I had not previously heard. Yeah, I had heard exactly what Josie said <clears throat> from both my personal physician and the doctor that I talked to from the testing agency, the lab that I did all my tests through, and and from LA County Health. They kept saying that their rule of thumb right now is to warn people that you have the antibodies at best for 90 days to not not presume that you're safe after that. For example, I got tested for antibodies a week or so, maybe 10 days after I tested negative, mm -hmm. something like that. Anyway, I need to I need to put a post a calendar. It, it gets so confusing. But anyway, I. I still have not tested positive for antibodies. Oh, no? No. And my doctor, you know, my doctor told me that we know for a fact I had it. I had two positive tests. Um, I had symptoms. So we're not worried about proving it there. It's more like, it's more my curiosity. I would like to know, mm -hmm. um, but that most likely I'm not going to go get another test unless I do a plasma. Wouldn't it like just totally donation. suck if your body was just gaslighting you and was pretending to have COVID and was pretending to test positive? <laughs> and then when push comes to shove, it's like, haha, I was kidding. And you don't have antibodies. Ha ha ha. <laughs> this is how bodies work. <laughs> I did. I did all of this. I faked COVID so I could start a successful podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Your body was like, I'm ready for a two week vacation. But your body didn't know that you can't fly anywhere. Yeah. Right. Well, not like you need to. Body you, really you live in that. California. You got the nice like weather and stuff. Congrats. We do. Actually. I said outside. Oh, that sounds really nice. Take that, yeah, New York. We sno it snowed here today. So thanks. Back to your situation when you found out you were positive, how much were you interacting through work or it sounds like school was all online so you didn't have to worry about exposure there? Do you live with, with people you had to warn or? Yeah, I lived with my boyfriend. Well, I still live with him. <laughs> he still lives here. Good. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he waited outside while I got my test, my rapid test. And I went outside in the car and I was like, I'm positive. And that was about all the warning that he got. We attempted some isolation, which was foiled. We live in a one bedroom. So like, yeah, oh, it's got to be hard. Where you can go. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's not much you can do. <clears throat> Luckily, he's an IT professional and he works from home, so he didn't have to really worry about going out. I mean, he definitely caught it. It was definitely not nearly as bad as as my experience, thank God. Do you think he got it from you or, or did you guys get it from the same source? We got it from the same place, for sure. <laughs> okay. When did he found out, find out that he was positive? He actually had a really hard time getting a test. He went to a tent that did free testing in Red Bank, New Jersey, where I live. And the first day that he went, he was standing there with a line of people behind him. And he calls the place and they say that they weren't coming out that day because of rain. It wasn't raining, but I guess it was slated to rain. So he had to tell everybody behind him that the show is not going on and everyone just had to go home. And then he went back the next day and there were too many people in line and they weren't accepting anyone else in line. So take two. Take three, he goes, stands in line for an hour and a half and finally gets tested. At that point, he was pre he, we presumed that he was positive. He had all the same symptoms as I did, exposure to me. We were pretty much just doing it for tracking purposes so that the Department of Health could know how many cases. Yeah. It was definitely a nightmare for him, and I'm sure it was a nightmare for a lot of other uninsured Latino people as well. And I told everybody that I had to tell to get tested, I told them straight up, like, listen, you need to lie and say you have every single symptom of COVID or else there's a chance that they either won't test you or they'll have you waiting around for an unimaginable amount of time. So you were able to get tested because you you knew folks at this urgent care yes. and they got you in. Yes. Well, that's that's good, at least. I mean, we all know, all three of us know from experience that it can be difficult hearing that news mm -hmm. that you're positive. But there's also a little bit of, I guess, comfort's the right word. There's a little bit of, okay, now I know for sure. Mm -hmm. 
I wish that I could say that I felt some sort of relief, but honestly, my, my stomach just sank because I knew that I had been at work all day. And that was really, um, one of my main concerns, like just the fear of having given it to anybody, especially since I work with a lot of people who are, who are up there in age, you know, pre-existing conditions. And I work with a very small team, so it's really difficult to avoid each other. Do you feel comfortable sharing with our audience uh, where it is you were working? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so I work as an admin admin assistant at a funeral home in Red Bank. You know, things <clears throat> have been a lot busier because of COVID, and they've been very different. People don't want to have viewings. They're only allowing immediate family members to come to funerals. We have to keep our doors locked at all times, pretty much, unless there is a visitation going on. And, you know, to cope with working in that industry, you make a lot of jokes. But when this happened, it was kind of like, it's it's not funny. And right. two of my coworkers who are embalmers, they, they do get calls in the middle of the night to go and pick up a body and you know that stuff needs to be taken care of immediately and expediently and Mm -hmm. they were both out of commission for two plus weeks because they also tested positive whether i gave it to them or not nobody's really sure because they were also exposed to other people in their personal lives who ended up testing positive but right it's just like we it's a very small business we work with 10 people and three of us had covid Mm -hmm. for a month when, so. when you say that they were um, getting calls in the middle of the night to go and pick up bodies, were these specifically um, deceased persons as a result of COVID? It can be, you know. Have you noticed? But not necessarily. Have you noticed like an increase in in funerals, embalmings, et cetera, as a result of COVID? Oh yes, yeah, most definitely. And a lot of people are opting for cremation because of mm. COVID. Yeah. Rather than embalming and burial. Is that a perception or is there a, a scientific reason for that? The last information that I saw from the CDC pretty much indicates that dead bodies are not a risk for mm-hmm. COVID transmission, but you know, people are going to perceive. It's the same thing happened with TB when they when tuberculosis was breaking out and people weren't having live viewings either. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's really just history repeating itself. It's actually uncanny. Sadly, I know about 10 families that have lost someone. And I believe, I don't know the details of all of, all 10 of them, but I believe most all of them did decide to do cremation. I don't know if that was the person's wishes um, before, but in the few instances that I really knew the details, the decision was made because they knew they were going to have to do the service sometime off in the future Mm -hmm. because at the time this was April and May, Mm -hmm. they weren't able to even gather for a service. And so they opted for that so that they could preserve the remains and have the service when the time was right. Um, Man, that Josie, (laughs) what is going on? This is, you're living a really tough time right now yeah it's it was very it's very interesting just to see you know how living people are dealing with covid how we deal with covid after you know life has passed Mm -hmm. but you know funerals are for people to move on and if people can't have that chance to move on then they stay mentally stuck with that grief until they can kind of have that physical confirmation of the service, the burial, you know, people have this idea in their head that this is what I want to happen to my loved one. This is how I feel that they can be treated with the most respect after their life. And if that can't happen, that's extremely mentally excruciating for anyone who loses somebody. And I'm so sorry to hear about all of the families that you know that have lost people because all of the families that have lost people because of this pandemic are just so right in the way that they probably feel just crushed by the entire scenario because they can't escape the news. They have to hear about COVID all the time. And if that was the cause of death for their loved one, having to hear about that all the time, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. That's what I'm trying to say. 
No, I think I think well put. Um, I even had a friend, sadly my age, uh, we grew up together, who passed, not COVID related, and it was difficult to figure out. Most of us couldn't travel back home for the event, and so they live streamed it. And there's there's is a, a lack of closure there. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people. Um, wow. God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm going to change the subject just a little bit because uh, that's just, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm about to cry. Um, I wanted to know, uh, once you tested positive for COVID, what was your job's response? I immediately called one of the main people that I was in main contact with that day, I was pretty sure that if I gave it to anyone, I would have given it to her. So I called her first and told her. And then I sent a group text to basically the three the three main funeral directors that I work under. They were kind of like, where do I get tested? What do I do? So I gave them the name of the place that I went. But at that time, they didn't work out. They hadn't worked out how to organize their rapid testing. So they had waits of four, five, six hours. People were waiting in their car. So I told them like, listen, I'll, I'll try to call my manager and see what I can do, but I can't promise anything. That was pretty much my first conversation with my employers about my COVID status. And then there was another group text with everybody and, you know, honestly, from a public health perspective, I respect the person that sent that text naming me as COVID positive because nobody wasn't going to notice that I wasn't gone for, you know, two plus weeks. So it was going to be obvious anyway. And the people who didn't see me, they were kind of like, OK, well, I didn't see her. So that's fine. But there was a person who was extremely scared and she's been extremely scared as long as I've known her, which has only been for a couple of months now of COVID. And um, she pretty much said, that's great. And said the building needs to be disinfected. And, you know, she, she was saying all of these things out of, you know, anxiety and fear. And, you know, honestly, everything that she said was correct. And she was right to be scared. But that definitely was very difficult for me to see. Yeah. Because I felt like I didn't have any control over the situation of course uh -huh. yeah it's also not but, a great thing to hear especially if you're the one already going through it you've already been the receiver of so much bad information then to have a poor response as a result that's oh, that's terrible for your mental health yeah 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 so i filled a bunch of blanks in my head about everyone being mad at me for bringing covid to the office which was none of that was true that wasn't really the situation Yay, anxiety well good <laughs> but completely understandable. Totally, yeah. I mean, you had described to, to me in class that, you know, it or, or to your classmates as well, that there was embarrassment involved. Yeah. Which seemed very human to me. I mean, to to feel feel like you could have been, you know, you could have affected other people's lives that way or but I didn't know uh until you told us leading up to the interview that that text message like you said, I understand that from a public health perspective, saying your name might have helped inform, you know, certain people to go get tested. But also, that's your private medical information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was... It's water under the bridge. It was done, but it was also done, like, without your consent, too. Right? Yes, yes. So that's also, that's yeah. another factor of it. If, if they had asked you, I'm sure you would have had a response, but you weren't able to have... You weren't able to have agency over uh, how that information was spread, so that also sounds really frustrating. Yeah, loss of agency in that in in that sense of the word, and also loss of agency over my body because I'm just like, oh my gosh, a virus is replicating inside of me right now. <laughs> you know, oh, when you put it like that, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like um, oh god, what's the movie where it bursts out of the stomach? Alien, alien? God, yeah, it sounds like alien. alien. Ugh, replicating kind of inside like... my body. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, you're giving me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Guys should stick to acting and don't ever take microbiology. Oh my don't god, ever take that. thank you. I was I was really <laughs> no, considering I'm, I'm switching. Yeah. <laughs> my science scores from high school definitely showed me I should never <laughs> pursue 
microbiology. <laughs> oh my gosh. I grew up in a, in a family office um, that had no more than six employees at a time. And I can only imagine, because it doesn't sound like you're, you have a feeling that anybody put your name out there maliciously yeah. or, you know, they truly were trying to inform the situation. And I can only imagine the office I grew up in, we'd have all been like, so Jeff has this mm-hmm. and we're all going to get it because of Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it went pretty much. Yeah. Oh, oh man. When you had COVID, um, were you able to take anything that made you feel any better? Did you have any good shows that you watched? What were your What were your coping mechanisms? To be completely honest with you, I took pretty much nothing except for Mucinex towards the end because I felt like at the end of my cough, there would be kind of a secondary sound. It sounded like there was something caught in my airway and I just couldn't get it out. It's the alien. So, That's yeah, replicating it was the alien. inside your body. Yeah. <laughs> So Sorry. I did. I took the took the Mucinex, took the hot showers. Eventually, that kind of subsided. But I never took any Tylenol or anything. And this is not coming from any sort of medical advice. Nobody ever told me to do this. But I didn't want to take Tylenol because I wanted to see if my fever got super high, and I didn't want it to be affected by taking Tylenol because when I was a child, I used to get like insane fevers, like 103. And I really don't need my brain to be cooked anymore than it already has been. So I was kind of trying to keep an eye on the fever and I'm kind of a, I try to tough things out as much as I can. If I'm taking any sort of pain reliever, then I'm in pain. Uh, yeah. And I was in pain, but I was like, what am I going to do? It's a virus. Yeah. How bad were your symptoms? I mean, I'm sorry. How, how high was your fever? My fever actually never got higher than 99.8. Whoa. But yeah. you, me- you mentioned in your questionnaire that you had a couple of random little fever spikes. When would that happen? How long has that been happening? It pretty much has been happening since I tested positive. I had the fever of 99 or 99.8. And then the next day, literally, my fever was already down to 99.1. And then the next day... I had no fever, but my my symptoms were just exploding. So it's almost weird that my fever went away and my symptoms actually exploded. But I would feel that in like the late afternoon around 4 to 5 p.m., I don't know if there's any significance to that time, but that's kind of when my temperature would jump back up to 99.1. And I'm usually like in the high 97s, like I'm like 97.9. That's my baseline. So 99.1 you know, is a, is a little bit elevated for me. Yeah. That's a fever. Did you ever, did you see, need to seek any medical treatment or if you didn't, why, for example, that the chest thing sounds very disconcerting. Did you have that looked at? Yes. Yes. I actually ended up going to the doctor and getting a chest x-ray just to make sure that there was nothing and no signs of pneumonia or anything like that. And that was all clear. Mm-hmm. And they, I did pretty much walk away with the advice to take Mucinex and I had been doing that for about a day at the time. So I just continued to take the Mucinex. Um, They weren't expecting me to be dealing with this for so long. You know, I'm 25. I'm in decent shape. You know, we should. Yeah, you worked out that one time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good night. Um... (laughs) Oh, my God. So could you, you might have said this at the beginning, but for my own brain, I I might have forgotten because the COVID fog brain is very real, as we've talked about many times. How long did it last for you? So I felt kind of funny from November 9th up until Sunday, the 6th of December. Wow. So almost a full month. Wow. Yeah. And then you just, you just tested negative. Yep. Congrats. That's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Truly. Congratulations. But has has do you have any lingering symptoms? You know, it's hard to say where the fatigue <laughs> I said it. I said the name <laughs> of the podcast. Everyone does. Congrats. Yeah. Now we can finally episode. air the episode. You have to say <laughs> fatigue at least once. <laughs> the fatigue is still present and I don't know if that's because I haven't really been walking around. I haven't been doing anything that I would normally do. And, you know, of course, there probably is some biological basis for the fatigue. But part of it is literally because I've literally not been outside of my the four walls of my apartment in a month. Yeah. Seen the sun. Like I've seen the sun a couple of times. I eventually started to go out with a mask on 
and walk outside, but I don't, I don't know how much of the fatigue is mental and how much of it is actually physical, but I'm actually, one of the things that I'm worried about is that this is going to be some kind of shingle situation when people who got chicken pox when they were kids. And then it just like decides to pop up when you're like 60 years old as shingles and it's the worst thing ever. That's kind of what I'm scared of, but I haven't seen any sort of research that insinuates that's going to happen. And I don't think we will have mm-hmm. that research until until we're like 60. Until it's done. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe when we're 60 uh, and if both of us get round two of COVID, I might be like, hey, Josie, I, we're going to do another podcast. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> That's how please, I'm going to sound when please. I'm 60. <laughs> And I'll just be like, all right, I'm game. <laughs> I'm game. All right. I'm going to play that for you for when you're 60. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and 60-year-old Caroline's going to have a lovely laugh, I'm sure. Uh, it's well, gonna can be, we use the pictures for the like kid? Can we pretend that we just look like we do now, though? Like, we'll just have these cards yes. set for the podcast in, in 40 years. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to get a bunch of face work done so I always look like this. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. That's showbiz. That's showbiz for you, baby. <laughs> for being such a dark episode, I'm glad that we've been able to find a few moments of levity and <laughs> and humor. Wow. Not to You have to. Yeah, you have to. Like like you were saying yeah. in your job at the funeral home, you know, you have to you have to sort of have a bit of a sense of humor to get through these things. And um it's really hard to do it in the midst of COVID, but the moments that you get a bit of a laugh, it feels like it actually feels like medicine. It is so helpful. Mm-hmm. And so Yeah. It was it's so like cleansing. To bring to bring up a point that you actually brought up earlier, um, when you asked me what I was kind of watching to get through it. Yeah. So Guy Fieri has this game uh Guy's Grocery Games. It's on Hulu. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's pretty mm-hmm. much what I watched to get through this entire thing. Oh my god. I love it. Yeah, we've been watching competition shows too for some reason. I think it's because they're being active and physical and we oh, can't yeah. right now. True, true, you know, true. In an interactive way. But that's awesome. Yeah, I know I know that show. That's a fun oh, show. Awesome. And it also they had shows so much food and I had like no appetite, so it would kind of stimulate my appetite. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. Has that come back at all? Has your your appetite come back? You know, something that I um wanted to say that I kind of struggled with whether or not I actually want to say it or not, because I know you guys will probably have a lot of people in the entertainment industry listening to this podcast. But if you have any kind of disordered eating or anything like that, this, just the experience of having COVID, whether you binge, whether you purge, whether you restrict, it's, it's extremely difficult. Uh, me in particular, it was extremely hard for me to have an appetite. And as someone who has struggled with that in my past, you know, it, it would be so easy to just kind of keep going with that because, you're just used to such small volumes of food. But um, mm-hmm. I have been making a concerted effort to eat three square meals a day. So Hey, I'm really proud of Good. you. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, because your body your body needs that nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now. I also think it's a really good thing to bring up because we're talking about a lot of mental health. You know, it's suddenly everybody knows like the suicide hotline. Everybody knows – you know, that, uh, that everybody's hurting, but I'm not, I wish there was a bigger uh, pioneering like effort to help people with disordered eating, especially after having COVID, because yeah. like you said, it certainly doesn't help, but thanks for bringing that up. If we don't, if you're comfortable, I'd love to keep that in the episode. Um, yeah. I'm also going to send you, I'm going to send you the final product before we publish it. And in the event that you change your mind or you say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable sharing this part, let me know and I'll cut it out for you. Okay. Or if you find that you might get fired for <laughs> the things you said about work. <laughs> we don't want yeah. that to happen. I hope not. Yeah. I hope not. Uh, we can always, you know, no. I edit things in post. I'll be in touch. Um, I just don't want you to feel uncomfortable about anything that you've shared. I also think that you've shared a lot of really beautiful things. And I just thank you for your honesty about this uh, situation. It's been really hard, I can tell. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> I would love to ask you, 
uh, what have you have you learned anything about yourself either in the experience of COVID or throughout the pandemic? Uh, have you changed in any way? How's that been for you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to say that one of the main changes was that I realized that I don't actually have all the time in the world to do the things that I want to do and that hmm. I kind of need to get a move on and take advantage of every healthy day that I end up having. Um, I also learned that virtual communication can often cause a divide and honestly, it's better to just speak what you're feeling because if I had told the people that I had worked with that I was feeling extremely guilty and I was feeling like I was being looked at in a negative light, then I'm sure that they would have assured me that they weren't looking at me like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard though, because I had just gotten the job very early, um, November. I was pretty new there, so I wasn't completely comfortable with them. They weren't completely comfortable with me. So that kind of made the situation harder. I also learned that, um, given the devices, I will spend every penny that I've earned on smoothies. Um, that I could get delivered to my door. Oh my god! So, Wait, like, what's what's your favorite smoothie though? This smoothie that has banana and pineapple and vegan protein powder and orange juice. It's called the Sunshine. Ooh. It was. That's all I wanted. That sounds great. like it could. It sounds like it could cure COVID. Yeah, it felt like it. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that I was craving pineapple so hard, and then I saw some research showing that bromelain, which is an enzyme in pineapple, actually has some antiviral properties and some helpful properties in terms of in really? terms of covid recovery. Yep. I'm going to the grocery I, store. Always... I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by that like when, I've always listened to my body when it came to recovering from something and it is amazing how your body will tell you what it needs mm -hmm. and that's the nutritional response as opposed to what we're used to which is that I'm hungry and I want something that tastes good. Yeah. You know, not that pineapple doesn't taste great. But. <laughs> it sounds so refreshing right now. I wish we could send you like a smoothie every day, uh, but we don't no. have a budget. Ugh. But I, I wish, wish we could, could do that. I wish we could send ourselves smoothies every day, man. I might, you know yeah. what? Right? My, my juicer down the street's still open. I might venture out and go get exactly that tonight. That might be my dinner. Oh, man. So what's it like in Red Bank right now? Is is everything pretty shut down? No, honestly, no, no nothing really is shut down at this point. Um, they have um, quite a few roads blocked off. So people are dining all over the streets and there's tables ah. in the streets. And I don't know if you've ever been to Red Bank, but it, mm -hmm. yeah, it, the downtown area is still very hustle and bustle, especially on Friday and Saturday nights. But people are luckily wearing masks outside so there's that much to be grateful for yeah, that's good okay. wait you grew up in florida yeah yeah i grew up in palm beach county florida you grew up in palm beach mm -hmm. the people that gave me covid got it from palm beach wow <laughs> oh my god this is divine you might be my favorite person from florida i have ever met thank you Congrats. that's a uh, low bar <laughs> <laughs> I am so grateful that that Josie decided to share that with us. That was yeah. she's got a good story. Really, I mean, she she does, and what a unique perspective. She's not only worked in a urgent care, but she's she's currently working in a funeral in home. In a pandemic, in a pandemic, she's seeing this from so many different angles, and I'm just really uh, it's so interesting. We've done now five shows, yeah. And I feel like each one, of them, each one of them has just been what it needed to yeah. be. It was the conversation it needed to be. Just like you would do, you know, if you invited somebody over for dinner and we were catching up with yeah, them. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. And I kind of yeah, love that. me too. It's good. I have a cool story to tell you. Do you want to hear it? Tell me. Well, yes. I went to go get a dun, 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 antibody test on Monday. Oh. Yeah. How? All right. Wait. So you're... You're like six months I'm out. six months out. So I was like, all right, do I got them bodies or do I not got them bodies? <laughs> Let's find out. Dropping them bodies. Dropping them bodies. 
<laughs> no, no, we just <laughs> talked about funeral God, homes. No. Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Cutting all this in post. Cutting all this in post. I don't know. Or not. I don't we'll know. See. Is it funny? We'll Is it not? Ah. But anyway, yeah. So um, on Monday, I went to my local city MD, and it was a delicious 30 degrees outside and I did not wear the right mm. coat or the right shoes Yay. and I stood in line outside for two hours oh and it, good you tried for a second round of I really tried for it maybe that's why I was coughing oh no I'm kidding if I joke about that I swear to god 2020 is so bad it's just gonna zap me with you will get it Jesus. yeah Ugh. I'm resigned to my fate anyway I uh, show up I sign in and I was like, hey, I would love one antibody test and one flu shot, please. And they were like, coming right up. It's like a diner. I guess this is how <laughs> my city MD is. I'm kidding. I'm embellishing. Did you snap your fingers? Went, Did they bring I it went, out on a silver hey, tray? Hey, man, I worked in a restaurant. I know better than to snap my fingers. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so I, I go in. And the nurse comes in. I should note that the nurse um, was a man. And he said, hi, so we're doing a, a COVID rapid test and a flu shot. And I said, nope, I've already had COVID. I don't really need a rapid test. Um, though, if you're willing to give me one, I'll take one. I said, but I would like an antibody test and a flu shot. And he said, well, you don't really need an antibody test. And I said, well, Why? And he said, well, there's no conclusive evidence as to whether or not antibodies do anything. And I said, no, I, I get that. I know that. I just want to know what's happening in my body. And I'd like to know if I have them or not in case any information right. comes out. I'd like to know. And he said, well, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really not that important. And I said, I would like an antibody test, please. And he said, I don't know that we have the, 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 uh, the materials here to do that. And I said, well, I called ahead of time, and they said, you can, so I'd like one. That's when I should have snapped my fingers. I should have gone, chop, chop. <laughs> Kidding. I'm not rude. So anyway, at this point, the doctor walks in, completely interrupts the conversation, and just says, hi, Caroline, you here for a flu shot and a rapid test? And I said, no, I'm here for a flu shot and an antibody test. And he said, all right, great. We can do that. And I'm like thinking, why is this nurse? Like he spent like spent a, a, like the whole time I was talking to him was like trying to get me to not take one, was telling me, oh, you're not going to get your results back for like two weeks. It's going to take a really long time, like really trying to talk me out of it. Doctor comes in yeah. and says, no problem. That is fascinating. What I mean, what I mean, I, I do think because, you know, last episode we talked to Jen. She's an obstetrician. You and I both have talked to other people in the medical field. You do get different takes. Yeah. From so I did I did my antibody test and my doctor it came back negative, and my doctor and I discussed the fact that I might have taken it a little too soon. Mm -hmm. um, and but then she said, you know, you you don't really need to take it, and she gave me a good reason other than really my only reason is for my own like do I do I want to know. Yeah. Um, and so we discussed that maybe, you know, another month from now, I might, I might try and take it again. Yeah. But so, all right. So what were your results? Well, I got them today, which is exactly checks watch two days later, not nine days later, like this nurse had told me. <laughs> Thank you for giving us your action and script for Thank you so much. <laughs> but um, I, I've, I've got, I've got the bodies. I've got antibodies. You've got, got them. That's great. Sure. There's no conclusive evidence about it, but I've got them. And at least I right. know. Yeah. What I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, I also really felt like when this when this guy was like trying to get me to not take one, I wanted to just be like, my body, my choice, dude. Like, come on. And I, I know from personal experience from helping older family members with doctor visits and, and having back surgery and stuff myself, if if the provider... Or if your insurance, there's all sorts of stuff, all, a whole bunch of ifs that get in the way of something that you say, yes, I would like you to do this. Mm. Like I remember with my with my back surgery, it was like pulling teeth to get anybody, even though I was in incredible pain, to do an MRI. Mm. And I remember explicitly, I was in my early 20s, and the assumption was that I was too young and this couldn't be what it ended up being. It wasn't. It could, there's no way my back could be in the shape it was in. 
Um, but also everybody just kept saying it's, it's too expensive. And, and it's like, if I am telling you that I'm willing to pay for yeah. the test, then give it yeah. to me. Oh, I, and it was that particular test that solved the problem that told us what was wrong with me. So had I had it a month earlier, yeah. it would have saved a lot of time. No kidding. But what I hear you saying, because we're not also not trying to vilify anybody in the Absolutely medical not, community. No. But like, it, it does get frustrating. I have, I had a friend in Tennessee tell me, and he's, you know, he's struggling. His industry has been shut down um, and he's, he's struggling with what, what his take is on masks. And he expressed frustration that he had to go into an urgent care and they did the temperature check, but they didn't ask him to wear a mask. He even asked the doctor, should I be wearing a mask? And the doctor was like, no, it's okay. And the doctor shook his hand and you know, here he is on. And so that just catapulted him into see, it's not a big deal. This doctor didn't act like it was a big hmm. deal. And yet we talked to a doctor last week who said, oh my gosh, of course wearing a mask helps. You're stupid if you don't. So <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Jen. Be, I love know, her. I know. It can be, it just can be frustrating yeah. because it is easy to feel like the medical community should be uniform on a consensus and everything we hear from them should be exactly the same. Yeah. And they're people too. Yeah. You know, and they're frustrated too. So who knows, man? Who knows why this nurse decided today? Because that obviously wasn't an issue. The doctor let you have it. Yeah. It makes me wonder. Oh, man, now I feel bad. Mr. Nurse, if you're (laughs) listening to this, I'm sorry. Also, give me my antibody test. (laughs) Respectfully, please. This is Caroline. And Raymond. We wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode and let you know that there will be more every week from now until we get fatigued by it. We're building out this podcast as we go. So stay tuned for improvements on our website, our graphics and video clips and just everything else. The time was now to tell our stories. So we're learning as we go. We really do appreciate your interest and support. We truly hope that the personal stories that come out in each episode can help build a better understanding of COVID-19, how it spreads, and how it affects us. If you have a story or a question that you'd like us to address in an episode, please email us at fatiguedpodcast at gmail.com. That's F-A-T-I-G-U-E-D podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.